With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Solid. What do you mean, nerds? Okay. I mean, just because Kenny, like what sports. do you think? When Judd and I argue, is it that he's wrong or that I don't listen? Uh, he's huh? wrong. He's huh? wrong. I'm not listening to you right now, Kenny. Say what? And I haven't been for a long time. Shut up, Judd. <laughs> Bye, Kenny. Bye. I'm just gonna let this play out. Actually, we're not gonna we're not gonna advance forward until. <laughs> I think Phil's still bitter about the poll results yesterday. What are the poll results right now? They're not in his favor. I don't oh, believe okay. it was more 50-50 than I thought it would be. I thought I would get crushed more on that poll. Actually, I'm pleasantly surprised. I you can vote still. It. I think there's still a 24-hour window. Yes, I think right. results. Chips hanging out with us from the Star Tribune, StarTribune.com, and he witnessed the carnage at minicamp yesterday. <laughs> ding ding. It's too high for Mills. Yeah, I think right now I'm pretty salty walking off the field. I'm really frustrated. Uh, I do not want to walk into the summer with a bad taste in my mouth about practice. So hopefully we can finish really strong tomorrow and be feeling good going into the summer. But, uh, man, even one bad decision in practice kind of bothers me all afternoon, and I can be a bit of a grouch when I go home. So, uh, uh, yeah, that one bothered me. Adam, Adam was frustrated with a couple plays himself. He was sitting in his locker pouting with me, so we were having a little... A little uh, pity party with each other just now before I came out here. Okay, what happened? It was not good. What happened? It was not a good red zone period. Uh, Is is the ink dry on the contract yet? (laughs) Can we have a do-over? Yeah. (laughs) Hey, Kirk, can you come here for a second? Hey, case, yeah. case, 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 case. Yeah, this isn't Did working. You sign that contract yet? It's all just a joke. <laughs> a little slight misunderstanding. No, it was. Uh, it was a bad red zone period. They, uh, <laughs> I think they were doing third and long. He said, and the first, he threw an interception that on the curse one where you could just tell he, he hesitated and then tried to float one in there and he got it was an easy pick wow. and then uh, wow. Thielen dropped one a slant uh, that would have been a touchdown and then he dropped one he dropped one and then. Uh, the last one I saw, it's, um, he kind of scrambled around, couldn't find anyone, and just flung it through the back of the end zone like in disgust. So oh, this was... isn't the Big Ten anymore, Kirk. Okay, <laughs> this is power football. This is big boy football. This is the NFC North. This, okay, eighty four mil for that. This is crisis. I don't care if it's June. I mean, and you know, forget that they had shorts on and no one was tackling or hitting or anything. Forget that. You know, well, I think it's probably a little bit hard if you're used to wearing football pants and the you know the thigh pads and stuff. I think I'm going to give him a pass. It is funny how we just make so much of a mini camp. Well, you Red can't help yourself. Period. Yeah. What else are you going to do? So yeah, I mean, they were they were understa- uh, understandably not happy with that period, but I think they came back and uh, had better. But we were we were kind of discussing that. It's kind of become like the new thing, right, for the coaches to give the last day of minicamp off. Ah, oh, take it off. You know, we're going to go bowling or we're going to yeah. whatever. Even Bill Belichick's like, yeah. uh, the last two days of practice, we're just going to be done. Yeah, so it'll OTAs. be interesting to see if, if Zimmer does that today or if 
Cousins really is mad enough that he wants to practice again. He's, he's a football guy, man. Zip's yeah. a football guy. You know what? The Get him back re- out there. So there's a lot. Most things you see in off-season workouts, OTAs and minicams, just take it, take it with a block of salt, right? The red zone thing is interesting. I don't know if you guys have done a lot of digging into Kirk Cousins as a red zone passer the last three years. I just did a little tip of the iceberg stuff this morning. He's been mostly terrible inside the 10-yard line the last two years. It's been a thing. that's where they were. Yeah. Okay, it's been a thing. Um, If you go back, and this is where weapons matter a lot in the red zone, because if you go back to Kirk Cousins' first full year as a starter in Washington 2015, he was one of the best red zone quarterbacks, so 20-yard line and, and going in. In the NFL, he, he he was one of the top three or four completion percentage guys. He threw 22 touchdowns, no interceptions, and that's when he had Jordan Reed. Jordan Reed was healthy in 2015, one of the best pass-catching tight ends. Uh, Pierre Garçon, mm-hmm. Deshaun Jackson's not as much of a red zone guy, but Pierre Garçon is. Yeah. And Reed gets banged up the last couple of years. Pierre Garçon last year went to San Francisco, and so he's kind of left without these top red zone weapons. If you look at the Vikings, Kyle Rudolph is a really good red zone target. Thielen and Diggs are very reliable route runners, right? So mm-hmm. um, it's when when the field gets scrunched, it's Sound much harder to find windows. But I, is that what no, you're saying? No what, I, no, what I would say is when he has weapons, he's good in the red zone. He's going to have red zone weapons with the yeah. Vikings. So yesterday is is meaningless to me. Yeah, I I I can care less about what happened. I can be honest with you. I, just, so I barely much, pay attention. It's but so it, much fun though. Yeah, but June football is fun. I know. But it, and he did say, and whether this is excuse making or real, that he says he said in uh, you know when you're in minicamp or OTAs, you're more likely to maybe risk something that you wouldn't otherwise in the season yeah. just to see. If you can get away with, because there's no there's no punishment other than we're talking about it on talk radio. But there's no, you know, you, you try more things down there, and then you realize, okay, that's not going to work in a regular season, and kind of figure it out. Oh, from his there. red zone legacy is on the line from here. Yeah, that's right. The, yeah. the one, so the one strike against intriguing him. thing uh, to me about this guy, and this is this starts now and and clearly extends now for the, the next three years. Is this though? You know, he's gone from being the guy that that could always say and fall back on, you like that because you don't believe. You know, the the Redskins wouldn't extend him. You're franchised, you're paid well, but that's always the, you still didn't believe. He's now, for the first time in his career, I think, Cousins now finds himself in in a place where, where you like that is followed by... Actually, I didn't like that that much. Yeah. Your your pressure now is is not to prove people wrong. Your pressure now is a three year fully guaranteed contract in which you are seen as a final ingredient for a Super Bowl yeah, team. His whole it's career totally changed. Yeah, his whole career was. I mean, drafted late, wasn't the guy. You know, got put in there. So it was all always like you said. He had to prove him wrong. Well, now he's got to prove him right. He's got to prove right that they made the right decision to give him this big contract, and so it's a totally different. I mean, there's expectations. He's you're taking over a team that was one step from the Super Bowl, and you're supposed to be an upgrade. And so, whether that's fair or not, doesn't matter. As Glenn Mason always says, what the fair is something you buy a pig in the fall. I mean, <laughs> and at that, there is no yeah, such thing as fair exactly. in, in in the NFL. So, and at that price, it's completely fair. Yeah, and so yeah, it's it's completely different. But I don't. We'll see how he handles it. I mean, he was asked about expectations yesterday, and he kind of gave the same answer that I listen to the you know the coaches, and I know when I'm playing well, when I'm not playing well, regardless of what people are saying. So, I mean, he's pretty smooth and polished whenever you throw something. He, but he did have a couple interesting answers to other things yesterday. I asked I asked him about you know when you go, when you have this month off before training camp. Do you you know do you go home and 
and uh, just get away from football. And and he talked about um, last year he got the week two and he felt like it was week 12 because he spent all of July acting like it was the season. And he was basically washed out at that point. He had grinded so hard through the summer and just watching film that he was basically mentally exhausted or, or not yeah. maybe exhausted, but he felt like he had been doing it and he didn't get that break. And so it'll be interesting to see how he does it this summer. From what you can tell, and I know that it's, you know, we're not, we're not privy to most of what happens dynamically in, in the meetings and mm-hmm. at practice. The, kind of the, the media gets a sh- short glimpse at practice and the, the mini camp is the open portion here. But from what you can tell so far, what are his interactions with teammates? Is there a command there? Are they, yeah. Is there like a gravitational pull at all? Things that we look for with with that position, a guy getting paid that much money. I think so. And I, and I asked him about a, a thing I saw yesterday where uh, – they had their reps, and then when it came back and the, and the the second team was out there, he pulled Adam Thielen aside, and and uh, Kirk Cousins was literally like running the route and showing how he wants out of the break. He was he do it to the left, did it to the right. Was they were talking? You could see he was saying something about how he wanted him to come out of the break. And so I asked him afterwards, is is that sort of just kind of the quarterback wide receiver process of getting on the same page? He said, yeah. He said for six years he's run it one way. I've thrown it a different way. We've got to figure out which one's going to work. Who wins out? Yeah, it was interesting that. Wow. But he said he the thing he appreciates is that you know teammates are at least receptive. Does that mean? I assume there's some wide receivers that you know would just say, "Forget it." I'm you know this, this is how I run a route. You throw it. There. <laughs> I'm running my route, and if you hit me, great. But it sounds like it's so far with receivers, they've all been open to. Listen to how he's gonna, you know, how he does things. And, I feel like uh, he's laying groundwork for scapegoats here. Listen, that's not the way. <laughs> that's not the way Pierre Garcon ran that route. I don't know what to tell you. I feel not like he's, yeah. he's laying all the groundwork here. It is interesting, but he said he that said literally. It, he said literally every route has that kind of feel to it, where you have to understand if you're going to be on the same page. A lot of times because you're throwing to a spot, and you got to know that hey, that receiver is going to be in that spot. So it's interesting that. It, it, and this is where, like, Treadwell, he's guy quarterback has to be able to trust. And we saw it with Cordell Patterson. You've got to run the right route. And it's interesting that Zimmer the other day was somebody was asked about him and strides he's made. And Zimmer said, yeah, uh, he's done some good things, but today he had a false start and he ran the wrong route. Zimmer can't help himself. He can't, yeah. And and then Tre- Treadwell saw Chad Graff's story yeah. about that. And Tre- Treadwell thought that Graff accused him of not running the correct route. And so he tweeted at Chad Graff, basically, keep on hating or something. And well, Chad, Graff, Chad, 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 literally and just, Chad, Chad tweeted Treadwell back, dude, your coach said that you ran the wrong route, not me. I'm it, not accusing you. Oh my God. And didn't Chad, wasn't Chad the one who just wrote for The Athletic about, like, the Vikings have hope still for Laquan yes. Treadwell a couple yeah. days ago. Yes. My God. And put yeah. in the fact he ran one wrong route, dude. which was from Mike, which Treadwell mistakenly thought Chad was trying to observe <laughs> and accused him of running a wrong okay, route. Okay, new rule for athletes, okay? Yeah. It's not called hating if you're terrible and you're just being hammered with facts, okay? It's not you're not you don't have haters. You're just terrible. Well, and, accept and the, the reality. And the tweet, you're a bust. The tweet said <laughs> Mike Zimmer said, I think yeah. he said in the press conference that he had a false start, so it wasn't making up. This is like he said God. the code. I know it's like it was so weird. I've told the story a few times, the, the Luke Hughes story, the Australian second baseman who the twins had like five years ago and yeah. I don't understand all the hate from your co-host, mate. Uh, talking about Patrick, I don't understand what what's that guy's deal. And I'm like, I don't know. He's like, you're hitting. I said this to him. I'm like, you're hitting 220. Like, what do you want me to say? You're Jesus, dude. Luke, you're not good. 
Here's the hate. You're not very so, good. So no. Why are you getting on me about strikeouts? I don't know, because you're 300 pounds and you're off at baseball. But the, mo- fat. but the most annoying thing is God. when a guy d- doesn't read a story. It's yeah, clear he didn't re- read the story, and somebody passes along a tidbit, and then they, they get mad. That's the. It's like, if you're, go- if you're going to accuse me of saying something, then I hope you heard it or read it. Yeah. Uh, this, by the way, this is John Filippo on Kirk Cousins. Just abysmal, embarrassing performance, as Chip described it at minicamp. <laughs> I think you, when you just see him operate you know, fast, I mean, he did a few things out there today that, that unless you knew he did, you would have no idea he did. In terms of changing the protection, in terms of using a, a unique cadence to help us identify uh, the defensive front, the defensive coverage, all those things, the blitz period. I mean, our defense was bringing the heat pretty good today. So um, he did some subtle things that tells you that he's really understanding the little intricacies of what we're trying to accomplish. Hey, when we can, let's let's take a quick break here. Yeah. Do, you have, do you have any just observations on John D. Filippo to this point? Just being yeah. okay. Let's let's talk about that. Um, you also wrote a story. The 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 high school baseball sportsmanship yeah. video that went viral across the country this week. We can talk about that with you. And at some point this hour, a Packers assistant coach hates everybody. If you haven't seen this or heard this, we'll get to that. Chip's hanging out with us from the Star Tribune and StarTribune.com. It's Mackie and Judd. Uh, Luther Brookdale Toyota is a proud sponsor of the Mackie and Judd Show and of the Touch Ball Podcast, which you can find on a regular basis, 1500ESPN.com. And you want to make sure this time of year that you got all these road trips, you're going up north, you're driving around Minnesota, Wisconsin, wherever it may be. You want that peace of mind that your vehicle is running right. Make sure that you've got no battery issues. In fact, I was told this. I didn't realize this up until a couple weeks ago. I would have guessed differently that warm summer weather is actually more detrimental or or can cause your battery to go kaput more often than cold weather. I would have thought, wait a second, when it's zero degrees, that's not as hard on your battery potentially or can can trigger uh, bad things with your battery as much as like 95 degree weather. And the, the, the truth is heat is more detrimental. So get in, get a battery inspection from the best service department in the Twin Cities, Luther Brookdale Toyota, 694 on Brooklyn Boulevard. Uh, tell them Phil Mackey sent you. My family and I have been going for 30 plus years. You can also visit the website. Radio alert. Mackie and Judd now continue on 1500 ESPN. Cousins on third down, it's picked off. It was too high for Crowder, it's Caleb Mills. No, it's a balance for me, and I've had to learn this a little bit after playing the last few years. Um, last year, we got to like week two, and because of how much I was grinding all camp, even in the summer, I, I felt like we were in week 12. And I couldn't believe we were only in week two uh, because I had treated July and August like it was game day. And um, you have to pace yourself a little bit. So because I am feel a little behind the eight ball learning this offense, I do need to be in it every day. But there also needs to be a healthy balance of getting away, catching your breath, getting a change of scenery, knowing that when we come back at the end of July, we still have six more weeks before week one. So I'm trying to find that balance, getting better at it each year. But to answer your question, I'll definitely get away relax and uh and also just stay in it every day for a few minutes so that i i don't lose what i've gained that was the answer i think to your question yeah. right chip yeah what was your I, question there well i wondered uh yeah i was curious about because they're still keep it down yeah they're still digesting you know a lot of this this offense is like they have basically a month off now until they have to go maybe longer five weeks whatever until they come back till training camp do you just get away, or is he? Because Cousins has that reputation of he's very much a 
in the in the film room always studying what he, uh what was the story when he was at washington he had his own office at, yeah. the, at the complex so Brady, he had like, like, a, in the he had like a cubicle kind of a closet <laughs> yeah. space or something yeah and so i said you get away and he said no he's still that's what he talked about last year he was every day and it's, it's interesting he said that um Everything he says sort of felt like drinking water through a fire hose. That's because you're learning so much that he, instead of going back and and like when he makes mistakes or something that's come up, he's on the film. He's like circled it or, or put a check mark by it. So now when they get away, he's going to dive deeper into that. And he said he'll have constant uh, conversations with uh, with Flip. But that's or, what the, the Flip. That, that's that's what, what, that's what, we already call. Is already that's that's called, they, everybody now. calls him Coach Flip. So, yeah. but that was the weird thing is is he answered your question by saying, you know, I've still got time. I didn't take enough time off last year. I'm going to take more time off. But then he, but then the next yeah. part about that, he's like, I've marked, I've check marked all this stuff, and I'm going to be emailing and yeah. or calling these guys. I just I, I go back to the pressure here, and it's intriguing to me because there's going to be an expectation week one, not that they get off to a decent start. There's going to be an expectation against a good team that you get off to a very good start. Yeah, and and, and it, like I said, fair or not, there's this assumption that you're putting Kirk Cousins in this offense that's going to have, with a new offensive coordinator who came from a high powered offense that had all kinds that were that was aggressive, had all kinds of different formations and. And so there's this assumption that this this offense is just going to click from day one. You're adding Dalvin Cook back to it. You have two of the you know maybe the best wide receiver tandem in the league. And so I'm not sure that necessarily works that way. I mean, <laughs> there might be some growing pains because they can do all this they want in OTAs and minicamp, but they're, it's in shorts. No one's hitting. They're not. There's no tackling. He's not. No one's sacking him and chasing him out of the pocket necessarily. And so um, there might be a little bit of. Time it takes for this thing to, to gel. Uh, this is this is Kirk Cousins responding to, I believe it's Courtney Cronin's question, our friend Courtney Cronin from ESPN.com. Just about outside pressure or noise or all right, what, what goes along with you just signed an $84 million contract and the Vikings are looking to win a Super Bowl yeah. and uh, there's, there's going to be a pretty high level of criticism if those things don't happen. Uh, I don't know that it, you think about it a whole lot. That's probably the best way is ignorance is bliss. So I just try to ignore the noise, not even know what's going on or being said. Um, and that's usually the best route, but uh, uh, I know what I'm being coached to do. I know what I have to do, and so I don't need the outside to tell me because I have good accountability here. I'm hard of myself, so I'll always be aware of where I need to play better, and sometimes the noise may be, hey, you're not playing well enough, but I know on the inside of what I'm being coached to do, I'm actually doing exactly what I need to. And other times, I know when we've won and games I've played, I haven't played very well, but everyone's patting me on the back. Because to the outside, it looks like I did the right thing. And I know deep down I'm not where I need to be yet. So um, i just got to continue to listen to the people in here who know what they're talking about uh, in each and every play. And uh, trust that if I do that, good things will happen. Yeah. 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 It's, I mean, I, you could tell he's a veteran who's been been through the wars and, and has been praised and criticized. And so I, I don't – I'll be surprised if if the, the pressure of that contract and having to win a Super Bowl really – affects him in any adverse way. I, I just, I don't think, I think he's pretty mature and, and sure of himself and, and kind of the, the work that he puts in and, and all the preparation he does. Um, not to say he's going to, he's not going to struggle and then we'll see how he handles criticism that way. But I, I just don't, I don't know that the pressure is really going to get to him. There, There is a unique or a, just sort of an interesting dynamic at play in that <clears throat> Like he probably wants to do all these things just as much as or more than the than the so called noise on the outside for one. Mm-hmm. So we always just assume that, well, there's a lot of pressure, but then if you're a hyper competitive alpha 
quarterback, the you know, most important position in sports, to just to get to that level where you're making ninety million dollars guaranteed over three years, like you're probably pretty diligent and a perfectionist and hyper competitive yourself, right? Mm-hmm. I want to know. He checks a lot of boxes. He checks a lot of Tom Brady boxes. He's sort of diet Tom Brady in ways. He, doesn't he study the sleep, uh, sleep patterns, patterns and, stuff? Yeah, and yeah. hardcore nutrition? And he's got a he's got a mental uh, more than just a mental coach, a brain coach that studies sort of the science of thinking and how your brain operates and corresponds with the rest of your body and all these things. So he checks a lot of these nerdy quarterback obsession boxes that you need, I think, in today's NFL. You can't just sort of wing it like Brett Favre in the old days and show up <laughs> half in the bag, right? That's not <laughs> Joe Namath and Terry yeah. Bradshaw. You got to you got to be really cerebral. You have to be obsessive, I think, to compete on that level. Russell Wilson, Matt Ryan. So he checks a lot of those boxes, but I think there has to be a human side to you as well. There has to be you have to be able to connect with teammates and coaches mm-hmm. and. That's the area that I'm most curious about. Is he just a robot, or yeah. is he a guy who can connect with people? I don't know. I, I don't know that we've seen enough of him, and we you haven't seen we haven't seen him enough. Of him. We haven't. We don't know what it's like with him behind closed doors, and we haven't seen him in bad times. And to me, that's where really quarterbacks uh, and leaders show themselves. It's not are you great in OTAs and minicamp because you haven't lost anything. It's when you've lost two games and you got a really hard game coming up this week and. Oh, by the way, you got to win this. How does they, how do they respond to that situation? We we have no idea. So because we, we haven't seen enough. And and Case was an, an interesting uh, deal because he came in really with no pressure. Mm-hmm. Bradford gets hurt. He comes in, and that first game in Pittsburgh, you're like, okay, this is, is not very good. And then he starts to play well, and we're all I, as much as we said we didn't believe that that he could win a title for this team, I think we also said this is a fun ride. Yeah. This now goes from being a fun ride to you won 13 games, improved your QB in your mind and our minds, so now let's see. So this is a very different d- dynamic, not only for the, for the quarterback, I think, but the entire team. Yeah. Because you go from, okay, Bradford's hurt, we're in trouble. No, we're not. We're actually pretty good. To the entire football world saying, no, you are good, and and if you paid that type of cash for a new QB, you're not only good, the expectation is you're Super Bowl good right now. Yeah, and in the locker room, I can tell you just from and you know being around players, they care about, does the guy put in the work? Is he serious about it? Does he take it, you know, is he the hardest worker on your team? Um, and, and then does he play well? I mean, if you're a quarterback and you're talking all the time but you're not playing well, it's going to fall on deaf ears, but if you're playing well and you're putting in the time, which he obviously does, I mean, no one's going to you know, be more prepared than he is. Those things go a long way in the locker room. And to Phil's point, too, though, Favre, Favre was an, an interesting guy in, in his own right because as much as Brett could get to the, the podium and say, well, well, the receiver ran the wrong route there and the, the ball was actually where it should have been, we saw this. Guys loved him. Oh, guys absolutely gravitated t- towards him. He'd come in and tell a fart joke and ever, and yeah. the room would crack up. Well, he was the connector. Yeah, I exactly. Mean, he was but, a, he was a but that's your point, I think, about about is this guy there? There's a difference between saying I am your quarterback and I will lead, and actually guys saying no, you are, and I love you. Yeah, and it's, I mean, all these guys have different personalities. Russell Wilson has a certain personality. Uh, Matt Ryan has a certain. I mean, if you watch Hard Knocks and watch the, the way Matt Ryan was around that team, you could see why guys yeah. really like him. I mean, he had a, just a kind of that personality. You're like, I'll follow him. You and know? actually, Russell Wilson seems a little bit more robotically polished than Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan feels a little bit, something like he'll show you a little bit of edge once in a while. Yeah. And 
And and Russell Wilson and Kirk Cousins actually very similar in that they weren't first round draft picks. They started off as backups, had to earn a spot and prove themselves. And there's sort of this question about is your personality real? Are your teeth real? Like, who are you? You're just like constantly, everything about you is an Instagram filter, right? And you're trying to figure out, and there's been stories about Russell Wilson too in the Seahawks locker room that he's not, you know, they just kind of fake or whatever. And I think obviously the the body of work for the Seahawks and Russell Wilson has shown he, itself he to be very successful. He wins. Right, right. Yeah. So I will, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. But the, uh, Russell Wilson and and Kirk Cousins, not in their style of play necessarily, but in their sort of their path to the NFL and their path to a starting job. Or well, and I will similar. say the one thing I will say about uh, in this situation is this is not a locker room with a bunch of young guys that don't know how to be led or don't have leaders. I mean, look at this locker room. It's veteran guys who are established, a bunch of pro bowlers. And some smart guys, and too. So, and just a, a really right. good, uh, I hate the word culture, but that's what they have in that locker room. I mean, they have guys that go about and they do their business. They're winners. I mean, look at just on defense, how many guys in that in that locker room that it's not like they need a quarterback to come in and show them the way, right? I mean, he, so right. I don't think there's pressure on, on Cousins in that respect to come in and, and automatically be – he will be the face but of, of the franchise, but he doesn't have to be the alpha right away. He doesn't have to be the guy um, that everybody stands up and follows because they have a lot of guys in that um, in the locker room that are established already. Yeah. What else did you learn? Yesterday? Yeah. Um, Not a whole lot. <laughs> I mean, I, that's okay. Man. Hey, I like Flip. He's got a personality. He has definitely... Your he, coordinators are often guys that have no interest in showing you them. This guy's pretty good. He's got a very good personality, yeah. And, uh, you know, he grew up in a family. I actually talked to his dad. Like, his dad used to be an athletic director at Boston College. Okay. And uh, was really a pretty uh, well-respected, high-profile athletic director among athletic directors in terms of realignment and those things. Um, And so he, he grew up in a, you know, in that type of environment. So he's got a great personality. It's interesting to see, um, hear him talk about his interactions with cousins because he's you know when they're doing otas he's in his earphone too like it's a game and so he's he said when he threw that interception he's like next play next play you're worthless you're worthless you're terrible you're worthless you know carson Wentz. you know nick Foles. 84 84 million dollars for that yeah so um it'll be yeah he'll be a lot more engaging you know i like him yeah yeah uh, we're watching the there's what is going to be the cut line this thing? We're, we'll have a U.S. Open update here. We'll probably do it on the other side of this, but it is absolute carnage right now. <laughs> this is going to be a car wreck. And the feature group you got Mickelson, Rory, and Spieth, and they're like a combined fifteen over par through eight holes. Seriously, or something. what is going to be the cut this line? Is like this me thing. playing golf. This is going to be this. This is the type of tournament where it does make you feel a little bit better. This is why people golfer. love this tournament. Yes, and it just these guys look uh, <laughs> they look human. Chips hanging out with us from the Star Tribune and StarTribune.com. Mackie and Judd from the TCL Broadcast Studios. Sit tight. The Mackie and Judd show will continue in a moment. No, no, oh, I got no. You. now. I need it now. Yes, I can't wait. Mackie and Judd on fifteen hundred ESPN. Phil Mackey. If you need him, it's trouble. Why so, is it trouble? So, too, is because he's young and he's going to struggle at times. Judd Zolgad. I changed my thought from a half hour ago. You are a bad person. Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Oh, we got Chipper in here. Chip's got the golf quarter zip That's on, right, yeah. golf shirt. Let's throw it to Dave Harrigan at the U.S. Open Update desk to tell us about the carnage taking place at Shinnecock this morning. Shinnecock Hills Golf Course in New York is not 
playing easy for the boys so far this morning. Early in the rounds, there are 78 players that have teed off and completed at least a hole. Seven are under par of that 78. (laughs) Rory McIlroy is not one of them. (laughs) Ian Poulter, Matt Kuchar, minus two. Scott Piercy, Aaron Badley, Justin Rose, Charlie Hoffman, Russell Knox, all one under par. Russell Knox is a great name. uh, That's it. It's a football name almost, right? The name's Knox. Russell Knox. Russell Knox. How about this? Jason Day, Jordan Spieth, both at five over par. Rory, six over par. Garrett Rank, he's the NHL official, right? He's the yes. yeah. official. Yeah, really? Yeah. Yeah, he's eight over. I don't think it's going well for him, but it's. Are you kidding? That's better good for, for him. Better for him than Scott Gregory, who is losing the tournament at 15 over par. Oh, oh just get in your car. Holes. Just get in your car and through, go home. through how many holes? 13. That's aggressive. Oh, just call dude, the. That's call a the 90. He's shooting 90 at the U.S. Open home, today. Dude. He's gonna shoot nine. So if if you're uh, if you haven't watched, and the coverage just started an hour ago. And by the way, bravo to Fox for actually televising golf. Like, yeah. I hate some of these tournaments and the, the Masters. They they televise 15 minutes on a Thursday, and then oh, if you tune in for a 30 minutes on a Friday, or they make you, you can watch a feature group online sometimes. But uh, but they're gonna be covering I don't know eight ten hours a day. It seems like on on Fox Sports One, which is awesome. So we're watching this on our TCL TV, and it's straight line winds. It's sunny. It's not raining or anything, but it's just, it's got to be 30-mile-an-hour winds yeah. out there. The flags are sort of half-bent over. This is great fun to watch. It's, it's, and if, so basically, if you, if you can get on the green, it's concrete, so good luck. But if you miss anything, there's fescue and other long grass and bunkers and, yeah. <laughs> Every time I look up, someone's in that deep grass. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It is. We were, yeah. we were talking with Dave before the show. It is funny how golf puts you into these patterns of of using words that you would never use in yeah. other contexts. Fescue. Fescue. Yeah. Fescue. Like it's. Well, it's, 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 it's fescue. It's, it's grass. Yeah. Undulation. Yeah. yeah. The undulating yeah. green. There's yeah. bumps on the green. Okay, we get it. <laughs> my lawn is undulating, Chip. I got problems. My torso's been undulating lately. Get fescue. Let's go. If your yeah, if your lawn gets to the fescue, I think I had last time we did have fescue. But this is when golf is fun. Yeah, this is when this is when I will watch it just because it's such a disaster. And you're like, these great players are hacking it around the, the course, and this is going to keep up for four days. Probably. Yeah, it's so much different because you can. There's tournaments on every weekend where the winning score is going to be 15, 20, even 24 yeah. under par. And it's it's. We're going to talk to our guy uh, Nick Peters, golf guy at Boulder Point here next hour. And I saw him on Twitter speculating that the winning score could be above par. Which that happened, I feel like more frequently, maybe late '90s, early 2000s. Some of these U.S. Open sites, and Shinnecock might have been one of them. But if it's windy and yeah. you can't keep a ball on the green, and if you miss the fairway, there's ankle high, knee high grass. Then even the best players in the world are going to be shooting 75, <laughs> even 80. So, yeah. Do you get much into these majors, Chipper? Are you? A I do major. No, no. Uh, <laughs> that was I, a quick I do, no, a yeah, hard no. Yeah, I do like the majors and. Uh, it's fun, you know, to see. I mean, I, I, probably the Masters is my my favorite just because of the scenery. And uh, but this, I, I do like, I do like watching them have to scuffle to make par. That's, I mean, it's yeah, kind of fun, fun to see, you know, yes. that that because you you just don't see them struggle all year, and then they get to the U.S. Open, and it's like, <laughs> okay, this is what everybody else has to do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is like me just on yeah. a municipal course, actually, yeah. when the when the per- conditions are perfect. Um, 
this clip from, and actually it's it's friend of the show here and longtime friend of Judd, Jason Wildey, mm. covers the Packers for the, I think it's still ESPMilwaukee.com, yep. covers the Packers. Yep. We're going to play you guys, this is a two-minute clip. This is about as uncomfortable as I've ever felt listening to just a benign press conference. This is the Packers linebackers coach, Winston Moss. Do we know anything about Winston Moss other than he's the Packers linebackers coach yeah. and he actually has an assistant or associate head coach yeah, tag? No, I don't. No, I don't know anything. So he, this is the second time that he's been, shall we say, combative with the media. And this is just off-season workouts. There's no, it ain't like <laughs> Winston Moss is being crucified yeah. or criticized no. here. So this is just this is a two minute clip of a really uncomfortable interaction between a Packers assistant coach and Packers media. What do you think you might have in, in Donnerson? You know, I know you haven't put the pads on and gone full contact, but he has made some plays. He's done what? I know you haven't put the pads on, but it looks like he hasn't been he has been pretty active out there. He's running around, okay. Pause. Long pause. Okay, Winston, I'm sorry. Where is the Winston that has given us uh, illumination and information at past press conferences? Did we do something that you're down on us again? But this was what, last week it didn't go very well, and we want to talk about your guys, and I'm not quite sure what you want from us to make that happen. Deep sigh. Staring a hole. Looks like he wants to murder everybody. I can't help you. That's all he's got. <laughs> you ask the question, I'll answer it. <laughs> but not really. Um, where have you seen Beagle make strides in the nine weeks you've had him here? We kind of went over this before in that Beagle comes prepared every single day to play hard every single day. That's that's Vince Beagle. Playing hard does not necessarily equate to playing well. Where do you want to see him make some jumps? I want Vince to be the best Vince he can be. <laughs> this is a linebacker's coach. <laughs> Another pause. Load up a question. What is that, Coach? What, uh, what is the best that Vince has to offer? What have you, what have you seen that uh, um, that uh, believe, makes you believe he can contribute to this defense? He's a hard worker. What? Seriously, Felly, what are we doing here? I mean, well, I thought don't waste Jason. Time, we're not going to waste your time. I thought Jason because he he asked the question about what do we do wrong, yeah, and then he got the response. I can't help you, and then he asked the follow up. I really thought Jason, being J- Jason, would then at that point say, "I'm done." Then, yeah, that just get just get him walking. But <laughs> I am trying to find out from Jason what the hell well, happened here because he is. He is standing there, downright combative. Yeah. Did you talk? Did you text it all with yeah. Jason? What did he no, say? No, I, I I texted him. I'm trying. I didn't get a response yet because I am dying to know. Because clearly, at one time, this guy answered questions. Yeah. My because I saw it last night. My initial reaction is something happened last year. Something was written or some you know that he is a carryover because I can't imagine there's he's like this because even Jason referenced you were great at one time and now. 
you're not. So yeah. something something was written or said that is it possible somebody may have pointed out that Aaron Rodgers has been carrying the franchise for five or ten years and the defense has it been had, an absolute abomination. It which had are to all be true things. It had to be something about Moss directly because nobody gets that that upset about a team about dissing the yeah. team. It had to be something about his job right. or what he was doing. Or dude, you're in the thing. NFL, man. So I, I and I don't know the details of this either. We're all just sort of speculating. But in general, let's pull this back to thirty thousand feet. Okay. Talk about a complete lack of understanding. Players do this too sometimes. You understand this is what what is the NFL's uh, billion uh, dollar pie up to now? Twelve billion, yeah. like twelve billion dollar chunk of pie. That's a twelve billion dollar chunk of pie because people want to watch the games. People want to watch the peripheral programming. There's a ton of fan interest. It's the most watched sporting league in the country by a mile. And you're all sort of part of this. It's all, I get that it's a profession for you, but it's all an entertainment conglomerate here. So if you can't engage in the dog and pony show at least a little bit and put forth your best effort for five minutes, that's a complete lack of understanding of how the well, NFL and coaches and players make as much money as they do. And furthermore, right? I don't know what his career ambitions are, but if he wanted to be a defensive coordinator or a head coach, and you're an employee, and you're saying, you know, part of that job is you have to be able to go before the media. You may hate it, be but engaging. that's part of the, yeah. that's part of the job. And you saw that. That's a big strike. I mean, that's like, you know, I think we're going. What, I don't know how this would work. What this says too, though, is is this is how that market is geared. This is a linebackers coach. Yeah. Like to talk if if you if you want to talk to a Vikings position coach now, you ask to talk to him. They get him for you. And but the Green Bay market is such that they actually think it's important to parade the linebackers coach up during the mini camp to answer because if you're the franchise, I think you'd like to say, you know what, let's let's end this charade. Well, if you don't want to talk, that's fine, but but that's downright embarrassing. I'm gonna go out on a limb and say that was probably his last press conference that he's gonna. But do. they've done it two consecutive weeks and <laughs> it's been equally be a, uncomfortable. I will be a third. It's, <laughs> well, and I get it. Like people are gonna say, well, Bill Belichick treats the media that way. Two no, things. He Number one, he's Bill Belichick. Yeah. He's built up. Eight Super Bowl appearances, five rings, and he's more engaging than that. Yeah, not all. You'll see the clips where he's not, but yeah. he gives Greg Popovich to, gives yeah. short answers. Yeah, Greg Popovich has five NBA championship rings. Plus, you see when it's Belichick, you typically see the answer where he won't. But I've sat in Bill Belichick press conferences, and he gives good answers to some questions. It's, you know, there's certain things he's just not going to open up and cut right. a, you know cut a vein open for. That is I, so the, uncomfortable when he sighs, though. The deep sighs. <sighs> And like he's he's glaring at these people, he's glaring at them. Good for Jason for at least yeah. being like, okay, what's happening right now? Oh, what, yeah. can we? It, it, what are we doing here? It kind of jogged my memory. We were at the Super Bowl this year, um, as in on Belichick's press conference, and, and a guy from another country stood up and he said something about he asked a technical a technical question about how they're going to uh, cover their tight end. Philadelphia's tied in, and there's like just pause, and you, you start seeing Snickers, and Belichick just looking at him. He's like, and everybody's, you know, everybody's like, oh, here it comes. And he's like, so you can just give you the whole game plans? Yeah. <laughs> <Of course>. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, <That's> coach. <laughs> I appreciate it. Good stuff. Good talk. Uh, Chips hanging out, Star Tribune, StarTribune.com. And uh, later on, the Crafty Rogues will join us in studio to help kick off the World Cup so we can ask dumb soccer questions in like an hour and 15 minutes. Don't go anywhere. More Mackie and Judd coming up next. And you know what they need? Tweaks. 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 On 1500 ESPN. This is where the magic starts. Mackie and Judd now continue. Showtime. On 1500 ESPN.
Get your Independence Day off to a running start with the Red, White, and Boom TC Half Marathon Relay and 5K on July 4th. Come out to Boom Island Park for this Twin Cities summer tradition and get your run and first picnic of the holiday under your belt. If you're out of town at the lake, that's not a problem. You can run the virtual Red, White, and Boom wherever you are celebrating. For more details and to register, visit 1500ASPN.com keyword events. Thank you, Dave. I believe we're now down to six players under par at the U.S. Open. Six players under par, and that's it. A bunch of crooked numbers. Look, how, look at this look ridiculous. At yeah, sure it Brooks Kepka, who's billowing. built of granite, can barely stand up. It's so windy. <laughs> it's absurd. Does he paint that golf shirt on his body? Oh, yeah, My he's... God. Talk about feeling insecure today. <laughs> he's in, look at far, Brooks he's in far too good Brooks, shape for me. Brooks Kepka making love to that golf shirt. <laughs> I'm gonna go hit the Let's gym. Go back guys. To the days. <laughs> Let's go back to when golfers were just fat and happy and yeah, smoked yeah. and drank yeah. on the course. When everyone looked like Marco Mira yeah. back in the nineties. <laughs> yeah, right. Craig, Actually, Craig Stadler was my hero. Wow, Craig Stadler, the <laughs> walrus. I love the right? walrus. Yeah. Yes, fuzzy. Uh, you know who? Who was the Minnesota guy? Tim Heron, lumpy. Yeah, lumpy he yeah. finished top fifteen at a tournament last week or two weeks ago. Might have been the Memorial actually. Tim, Tim Heron put up a fight at the Memorial. All these guys now are in way too good a shape for me. They really are. They're yes. all. Just I mean, they're really athletes now. You're not supposed to be an athlete. So that uh, wow, George wow. Spieth reigns a, a birdie in there. That was a uh, that was a that was the Tiger effect, right? Where, they, well, he was the first one to look like that in a yeah. in a golf shirt. Yeah, but then they realized, hey, you got to lift weights, and conditioning, and do all these things if you're going to keep was, pace with him. It was Tiger and David Duvall, right? Duvall was in unbelievable shape. He was in good shape. I don't know. if He was ever I in thought the shape he was that, in. I thought they were like the first two, and then Tiger just completely took off because yeah. he he actually trained. Yeah, yeah. Du, uh, Duval was amazing and the number one player in the world for about a year or two in ninety eight, ninety nine, and then his his game went out, his back went out, and it was kind of a disaster. Uh, Chip, what happened to hating your opponent <laughs> and and you strike a kid out and you taunt him on the mound? <laughs> That's right, yeah. You wrote a story about this, the high school baseball moment. Yeah. Uh, was it Matamidi and Totino Grace? Who were the two teams? Totino Grace was Malji. Malji, okay. Yeah. yeah. So did you, yeah, what, what did Yeah, it was, it was, uh, you know, it's funny. On Monday, I was writing, uh, you know, I write for Tuesday and I was writing a column on NBA and super teams and what it means and good, bad, whatever. And then around three o'clock, that, that video started going viral and, and I, I saw it. I'm like, yeah, I'm switching gears. I mean, this is too good not to switch gears. So I, I was able to run down uh, Ty and Jack, uh, the two young men. And what, I mean, it's just, it, it, I just found it awesome that in that moment where I can't imagine, like, if I would be jumping, you know, throwing my glove and hat and dogpiling with my buddies and all that. And he kind of had that, you know, just that first instinct to, you know, go to his, his good buddy um, who was on the other team that they grew up together. They played on travel teams and little league teams from when they're, he said they're, I think, 11 to 15. Um, Cause they grew up in the same neighborhood and all that uh, area. And even last summer, they spent time at one of their cabins together. So they're good friends. Um, but it was, just, I mean, it's just one of those neat moments where for whatever reason, probably all the negative stuff we deal with in the sports world, that one resonated. I think the thing about it too that struck me was was the fact that that this world right now seems to be so full of hate. Yeah, like everybody, adults are constantly mad now. It it seems like, and yeah. Twitter is angry, and people are angry, and they're always mad. And you say to yourself occasionally, "This is really a downer." Yeah, and and so so 
what gives me heart and hope here is it's kids. Yeah. Is it's it's high school kids who are who are ordinarily oblivious to life. And and it's sort of a it just Seeing that is is to me a shame on us mm. because they shouldn't be, be the ones who give us direction, but that sort of did. Yeah, and you're so, right. I, I liked th- it. I do. I, mean, I think it is because everybody's angry all day long. You look on Twitter, it's just you know who's mad at who. Who are we? You know what are we mad at today? Somebody always does that on Twitter. What's everybody mad at today? And uh, so to see that, it was just neat that you know a couple seventeen year old guys, and it was interesting. Uh, uh, Jack, uh, I think it's Koken is how you pronounce his last name. So when I got a hold of him, we were talking about the thing and everything, and uh, said, "So you know, you done with baseball? What are you doing? You know, next year you graduated." He said, "I actually I met Marquette doing my freshman orientation right now. It's funny you caught me in between it." And uh, I was like, "Oh, that's cool." And he said, "So what are you going to study?" He said, "Well, you know, biomechanics and hopefully pre med." I'm like. <laughs> He's going to be all right. This kid's going to Marquette. He's going to be a pre yeah. He's going to be fine. The you best know? part about the video is the assistant coach who walks by and kind of does a double take and looks at them hugging like, what is hap- what? Yeah. What is happening right now? Yeah. And don't, then, hug, don't hug the opponent. Yeah. And Never then he, give in. And then he walks him back to his dugout, and then he goes and celebrates. It's just, I mean, the whole thing. And you could tell it was just pure instinct. I mean, that, that was his first. Yeah. Well, that's really, that's cool not something that. you can calculate. Okay. You know? With that said, and that's a great moment, and I'm not, I'm not playing yeah, but to that moment, but do you think sports were better when opponents seemingly hated each other on a more regular basis. When when Pistons players, if they saw Bulls players or Celtics players in the 80s outside at a bar or something, yeah. that there'd be fisticuffs between Bill Lambeer and, you know? Or do you like it now that everyone's, you know, Chris Paul and LeBron James are yeah, really good friends and, and everyone's... I don't know that it's better or worse. I mean, I know the old school people say, oh, you know, you shouldn't train together in the summers or they shouldn't, you know, vacation together. They should hang out. Well, you know, the world changes. It evolves. I mean, that's, it doesn't make them any less competitive. I mean, do you think LeBron's any less competitive because he might be friends with somebody on the other team? No, he's still going to try to kill them. And so I, I don't think, I don't think it interferes with, um, you know, how hard they're going to compete against each other. They may not clothesline him like, like we saw it, you know, the old days, but, or they uh, might, or they might, but I don't, I don't think it, you know, at, at at their core, they're still uh, ultra competitive, and they're still trying to win a championship. So I don't think that would a friendship would say, ah, "I'm not going to go as hard because it's my buddy." To me, it's just it's kind of a non it's just, it's not a non factor in terms of what we're seeing. It's just their friends when they leave the court. You and know? now kids grow up playing on the same teams more. Yeah. Here's my, here's my line: I don't mind it one bit if kids are friends. Could be because just because you're playing your buddy doesn't mean you're not trying to beat him. What frustrates me about the society in which we live today, sports wise, is the trophy thing. Well, it's yeah, it's you know let's make sure every kid gets a trophy. That's not real life. So if you gave me a sportsmanship line to draw, it wouldn't be kids being friends. It would be let's stop the adults from awarding every snot nosed kid with a trophy. Well, it is funny. Uh, my son just got a. We redid his. Um, his room and he's he's a high schooler now and so we took his trophies out and I, I was boxing them up and I was looking at some of them and I was like <laughs> not sure we are in this one seventh place twelfth <laughs> yeah. place column writing for the Star Tribune do I really want the trophy one? just says made it to feel on time <laughs> so, so we'll we'll just maybe throw it out there. <laughs> so, we'll, we'll melt this one yeah but it's you know you know I, I can go back and forth on that because having young kids 
and how excited they get to get a trophy. I don't think we're ruining kids by doing it, but also think, you know, we don't have to, but I don't think that we're ruining I mean, my kids turned out okay, I think. Well, <laughs> you your know? kids did, but that doesn't mean yeah, all kids did. I know. Yeah. Well, I think it, it, it's okay to for your kids to have a good feeling about playing yeah. a sport and it make, make, it just have it be a fun memory. Yeah. Um, but then there should also be, whether it's through sports or some other mechanism, <laughs> there should be a sense of not getting your way or yeah. not getting rewarded and having to sort of well, fight through the adversity. It, yeah, it is funny. Like, because I've coached kids all growing up, and that's one of the first things you'll go to. The, Are we getting a trophy? You know, like, if we win, that. you know, if we win, yeah. <laughs> not if we get our butts kicked. If you get your butts kicked, and there's no Dairy Queen either. <laughs> that's right. We're no not going Culver's. to DQ. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, um, I don't know. Chip, what can people find uh, your latest musing? StarTribune.com. If they yeah, I'm, I'm kicking around uh, topics for Sunday, but I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated by this new NCAA rule, and it came out yesterday with the transfer rules, and um, no longer can coaches block kids from going. If I want to transfer from Minnesota, you can't block me from going to wherever. Uh, that's it's NCAA finally did something right. It was long overdue. They finally did it right. But the one thing they didn't do, which I, I agree with, they didn't eliminate the one year sitting out because I, I I just think that would open. So you can't go and play immediately. No, that okay. would, to me that then you have free agency. Then you say, all right, who wants to come play for yeah, Alabama exactly. football? I need a quarterback. Yeah. Let's go get you know. So yeah, there's got to be some pausing correct mechanism. Yeah. And they, they have some a couple other things with the the redshirt rule that I like. You can play four games in football and and not get penalty. You can still redshirt. So mm-hmm. they did a couple things yesterday. that were good. So they can play you against New Mexico State a few times. Well, yeah, if you if you. It, if if I evaluate a freshman in, in camp, I think, oh, he's ready. And then you watch him three games in non-conference and say, oh, oh he's not ready. He's not going to lose that year. They added bowl games. That's not good. They've three added bowl games. 84, 84 Talk about everybody gets a trophy. Yeah, yeah exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> they added that bowl is, That is the college football's equivalent of everybody gets a trophy. Man. I know. Well, Stop. Come on, PJ. Just get us to that ninth. That ninth <laughs> I feel like Winston <laughs> Moss. Bowl game, Another bowl game? <sighs> I, I, I can't help you. No, I can't. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, you ask me questions, I'm going to answer. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah, I just yeah, told the best ball game that, that ball game could possibly be. <laughs> I know. All right. Bye, Chip. Right, Chip Scoggins, StarTribune, StarTribune.com. Um, we'll, uh, we'll keep an eye on the World Cup here today, too. In fact, I, yesterday we talked about this a little bit. I think Dave was the most hesitant on soccer. Jeb was somewhere in the middle. What would get you, what, what are the parameters? If you could draw perfect parameters for creating interest in uh, a casual fan or yourselves to watch more soccer. What, what would those parameters look like? Mackie and Judd from the TCL Broadcast Studios. Mackie and Judd will return shortly. Man, isn't this the greatest? On 1500 ESPN.